the only box that holiness fits in is that box that says other. Fill that box. Because we will only begin to scratch the surface when we're talking about holiness. Remember, when we look at the Bible, they did not deal with punctuation the way we deal with punctuation with periods and commas and exclamation points. Instead, what they would do is they would repeat a, f- a phrase or a word. Yeah. And so when we start talking about, hey, hearken, hearken, listen, listen, verily I say unto you, right? It's holy, mm. holy, holy. And no other place inside of Scripture, according to Sproul, where, the, where one word, there's a phrase in Jeremiah where a phrase is repeated three times, but no other place where we see one word repeated three times. Yeah. Holy, 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 right? So you're going to begin to teach on the subject. You're going to do a lot of self-examination and realizing mm-hmm. and recognizing that you just aren't. And now you're talking about the deep things of God. Ow. Brr. Huh? Ew. Um... Hmm. Mm-hmm. And our favorite, of course. <laughs> Are those universal? That's what I want to know. So, so as I as I made those glorious, beautiful, wonderful, pretty, cute sounds, were you guys able to decipher in your mind what was behind those? For example, Oscar. Hmm. What's that say to you? You're really impressed with my shoes. Wrong. <laughs> Very wrong. But really, like someone goes. Mm-hmm. What's that mean, Mark? You're agreeing with what they're saying? Yeah. Notice I didn't say it yet with you. Anything you've said up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I mean, seriously, guys, I'm fascinated by this. I was thinking about it the other day. Onomatopoeias? Well, onomatopoeias. Yeah, onomatopoeias. Well, that would be more like pow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman. I'm thinking Zip. of Batman and Robin. Uh-huh. Zap. Zonk. But yeah, but I mean, you know, those even just like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hmm. What about? Huh? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Yeah, but we we love doing that. That has over a hundred different variants. That one. Oh, what if someone goes? What's that mean? (laughs) How do you describe that? I know what it means, but I can't describe. That's like like, that's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Sounds. And we're asking if is it universal in different languages? I don't know. Say, I've often wondered if certain countries if you kick them in the leg like china and japan and russia would they say elch <laughs> yeah that's true well it's something ah oh you know what's funny though it is funny how you go to a different country and different things mean something so for example when i was doing work in europe if i held the door open for somebody and they said thank you what would you say you're welcome you're welcome, you're welcome. what else any other options sure no problem sure yep yep, yep. all yep. acceptable over there, if you say sure or yep, it's like saying, yeah, I know you're welcome. Like it's, uh, it's sound, it sounds like rude to them. Rude, yeah. yeah, it sounds very rude to them. Which I, I was surprised was in New Zealand when, when, when I went with you to New Zealand and we would pay for something at a store. And they'd say, $3.40, thank you. What's wrong hey, you, with that? Well, <laughs> see? <laughs> He's still stuck in the New Zealand market. They're saying no, thank you, you say, because you're going to pay. No, you say yeah. please. That's $4.30, please. That'll be $10, please. No, you say, well, it's thank it's you. presuming that you are going to pay no, the money. No, say thank you after you. you've uh, received Wars it. have started for this. <laughs> <laughs> they have. But here's the best sound of all, friends. 
Is that why you brought that you in here? That yeah. <laughs> my fidget spinner, Ray. Thank you for this fidget spinner. It's yeah. Universal. Someone sent it to me, which is wonderful. And I'd like to thank. Does it really? Want to thank like Oscar it? for bringing donuts in today, and it's made me think if we knew the exact coming of the of the Lord, the exact day, I would pig out for the last <laughs> just go crazy with everything I'm restraining on. If ever I've seen Oscar commit idolatry, it's with Sidecar. What is it with you and Sidecar it, Donuts? I mean, did you not just experience That's it? That's true. That's They're a type of donut you're talking about. Yeah, was, Sidecar, we're in Southern California. Glutton. I was a glutton in the room. We're in Southern California, and there's this place called Sidecar Donuts, and their donuts are just incredible, and I brought some in Is today. it your favorite? It's my favorite donut yeah. shop, yeah. Now, speaking of Psycho, um, Mark sent me, a, um, Mark sent me a, uh, an item this morning. I saw it the other day. Someone else sent it to me, and it just thrilled my heart. A security guard who was bored in Russia had a million-dollar painting in front of him. He didn't realize it and was eyeless. And he got a ballpoint pen and drew in the eyes, which I thought was very cool, which is what we're trying to do as Christians. We're trying to give eyes to the ungodly. We want them to see him like who's invisible, but... Um, Ray, right, Mark, you trying- I would do that. I would seriously do that. If it didn't have eyes, I'd just be so tempted to get a ballpoint pen and draw in the eyes. It's a million dollar painting. Why are you trying to pretend it wasn't you? Yeah, Ray? Mark sent yes. us that that uh, news article, and I responded by saying they just released a picture of the security guard, and I sent the guys a young picture of Ray Comfort. <laughs> it wasn't oh, yeah. oh, you would have so done that. So done that. <laughs> All right, guys, enough of your jibber-jabber. We're talking today. We lifted it from your opening. <laughs> we raised the quality. <laughs> if you would have sneezed. Did you get it? Did you get it? <laughs> See? If you would have sneezed, you would have upped it from his opening. <laughs> <laughs> Shame on you, Mark. <laughs> guys, we're talking about the holiness of God today. And, man, I'm telling you, the stuff I came across on the holiness of God as I was preparing, I- I'm really excited to share it. And I'm excited we're talking about it because... <laughs> This is a topic that is so crucial, but so hated. I mean, seriously, when you think of modern churches today and modern preachers, it's like um, it's like a foreign concept yeah. to think of them. You know, like so and so is preaching on the holiness of God. It just doesn't it doesn't happen. Why? Why don't people teach on the holiness of God? Yeah. I, well, in part, we teach on things that we are familiar with. Right. So if somebody's not teaching on the holiness of God, and maybe they're not familiar with it. It's also a bit of a taboo subject in the sense that today I'm going to be teaching on meekness, and I'm going to be teaching on humility, right? I mean, where do we begin when we start teaching on the holiness of God, right? right? T- talking about being altogether separate, altogether other, Right, that the only box that holiness fits in is that box that says other. Fill that box, yeah. because we will only begin to scratch the surface when we're talking about holiness. Remember, when we look at the Bible, they did not deal with punctuation the way we deal with punctuation with periods and commas and exclamation points. Instead, what they would do is they would repeat repeat a, f- a phrase or a word. Yeah, and so when we start talking about Hey, hearken, hearken, listen, listen. Verily I say unto you, right? It's holy, mm. holy, holy. And no other place inside of Scripture, according to Sproul, where the where one word, there's a phrase in uh, Jeremiah where a phrase is repeated three times, but no other place where we, where we see one word repeated three times. Yeah, Holy, 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 right? So you're going to begin to teach on the subject you can do a lot of self-examination and realizing mm. and recognizing that you just 
aren't. And now you're talking about the deep things of God. Yeah. Dr. Peter Jones wrote this book called One Versus Two. Uh, and in it, he talks about the influence of transhumanism. And one of the aspects of the influence of transhumanism is that we tend to think that God and creation are kind of mixed together, that there's just God in creation, that God is in creation, a part of creation, that all of it is equal together. And the thing that he points out is that the Christian worldview perspective is so utterly different, that there really is God and then there's creation. Or you can say like there's there's the created order and then there's God. He is totally, as you pointed out, otherly and separate and not a part of. And so for that very reason, uh, our transhumanistic influence tends to make God smaller and make man bigger. Mm. And so I think to answer your question easy, why don't enough churches preach on the holiness of God? There's this temptation to make God sound cuddly, close, and he is close. Um, he is a comforter, but he is totally otherly and separate and holy and different. And I would argue that the more our pastors and preachers proclaim God as holy and other and separate, the greater a view we will have of him and a more proper understanding of our own conditions we will have of ourselves. Yeah. Isn't it a mysterious word, though? I mean, the word holy. It is. You ask a, a godless person what's holy, they wouldn't have a clue how to define it. Yeah. And That's much awesome. of the church would be the same. That's so the contemporary true. church, could you tell me what holy means or holiness? Yeah. And how do you define it? What do you point to? And right. often I say to ungodly people when I'm witnessing to them, God is holy, and I think they haven't got a clue what I'm talking yeah. about. I think Jerry, Jerry Bridges, just to, to touch on what you just asked, Ray, what, what, how do we describe it? Jerry Bridges hit it so good. He said, as used in Scripture, holiness describes both the majesty of God and the purity and moral perfection of his nature. Holiness is one of his attributes. That is, holiness is an essential part of the nature of God. His holiness is as necessary as his existence, or as necessary, for example, as his wisdom or omniscience, just as he cannot but know what is right, so he cannot but do what is right. And then he goes on and says, holiness is a perfection of all of God's other attributes. His power is holy power. His mercy is holy mercy. His wisdom is holy wisdom. It is his holiness more than any other attribute that makes him worthy of our praise. That's good. And that that is so good. You know, God's utter perfection, otherness, separateness, uh, and how that then affects all of his other attributes. And, you know, Ray, I want to ask you one specific thing. But before that, listen to what Lewis Burkhoff said. He says, it does not seem proper to speak of one attribute of God as being more central and fundamental than another. But if this were permissible, the scriptural emphasis on the holiness of God would seem to justify its selection. So in other words, he's saying, man, the holiness of God is prevalent all throughout scripture. It's it's something that we might call central if we were ever to do that with anything. And Ray, this has been central in your life. When did you start really recognizing the importance of including the holiness of God in preaching and, and our thinking as Christians? September 1982. <laughs> really? Was yes, that the day? absolutely. When you yes. got a hold of House of Yes, when I understood the, the law, the law is perfect, holy, 
just and good. That's the four definitions Scripture gives. So when you understand God's holiness via the law, I mean, they carried the, the law in, and when you've got to steady it, why did God kill Uzzah because of his holiness mm-hmm. when he went to steady the ark? So you can't separate God from his law. He's called the, the habitation of justice. And there's such a dissipation of the character and nature of God, I'm sure you're aware of it, but some I get a witness to some people and you think, this guy is definitely not saved. And I say, do you read your Bible? Every day. I get little, I've got an app that sends me Bible verses yeah. every day. And I think, how dangerous that is. It's like someone living on candy. It's all they have a little yeah. bit of candy. And they're specifically sweet candies. Those apps would no doubt send you Bible verses saying, you're a winner. <laughs> Here's the verse. Uh, delight yourself in the Lord to give you the desires. Of you. And they're all the same sort of so same sort of thing. And there's there's nothing with meat in it. Like yeah. I'd like to have an app that's called uh, Uncomfortable App. Um, an app for <laughs> Bible verses to make you feel uncomfortable. And verses like, I've got them here. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. That's your verse for today. Um, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Honor your, love your enemies. Honor all men, just stuff mm. that makes you think, do I honor all men? Wow. It's not the whole success and delight, getting desires in your heart type app. Maybe we can call it the Ray Non-Comfort app. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's so funny you said that, Ray, because what, what it brought to mind was... Daily Conviction is what I wanted to call it. Ooh, New Devo. Hey, there's your next Devo, oh. I was going to say. Mm. <laughs> uh, seriously, Ray, you need good. to think like about it. doing that. I like that. Oh. He'll have the book written by the time we're done with this. Oh, I'm sure he's written it already. <laughs> he's starting, starting it right it. now. Oh, Look, yeah. oh, he's yeah. writing. Oh, pick, 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 pick. Stop it. Ray, tell our friends what pick, 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 pick means. I have never learned to type properly. Um, How many books have you written, Ray? Quite a few. Yeah, over 100 books with two fingers looking <laughs> at the keyboard. two fingers. Pick, 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 pick. <laughs> My most valuable class in high school was three semesters of keyboarding. This Same. was before we, you know, we had personal computers that we were using and stuff. Oh, love it. Anyway, what I was saying about what you said, Ray, regarding how it's always the fluffy, nice, happy verses. It's like, it reminds me of those those things you see in Christian bookstores, like, the name a person's name and it has this made up oh, yeah, definition yeah. brave courageous <laughs> strong and chill why is it never like loser dirtbag yeah know? that's right well, that's forgettable is, <laughs> raymond, yeah, come on. raymond right. means wise counselor you know it's yeah. always not a short idiot it's nothing like that <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to see like the name mark and under it meh meh <laughs> the glory has departed what <laughs> <laughs> there's another sound but anyway um man Oh, Ray, even as I'm hearing you talk about God's holiness, my heart is getting stirred. And what I love is that I know how important God's holiness is to you, but I think the opposite of what people think will happen happens. And that is they think someone who's really focused on God's holiness will be stuffy and uptight and harsh. And But, you know, you're one of the most gentle, humble who are you talking foolish. about? Oh, what? What was that? Sorry. Who are you talking about? <laughs> I thought, you didn't let me finish. Well, you started talking about me, and then you start off in this direction, talking about Pope. Yeah, right. Holiness. Pope Ray. No, but I'm just saying your life exudes graciousness, and and it wasn't, and that's in light of the fact that the holiness of God is important to you. Oh, yes. And so it, it do, what I'm saying is it doesn't translate into someone who's a stuffy, harsh. Boy, that's know. so true. Some of the godliest men I ever knew were practical jokers. Yeah. And just loved laughing and loved humor and loved joy of the Lord, yeah. and the joy of the Lord. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Hey, listener. 
Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. I think it comes with the territory, a high view of God should bring about a low view of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like how how do you understand God as holy and and yet have a sense of pride or uh, self-righteousness? If you really understand the holiness of God, then you understand your own depravity and you, you take yourself less serious. Yeah. And I, I love, again, what we read about how God's holiness ties into all of his other attributes, right? right? It, it Well, I think, I think uh, Sharnock put it well. He said, if every attribute of the deity were a distinct member, holiness would be the soul to animate them. Without holiness, his patience would be an indulgence to sin, his mercy, a fondness, his wrath, a madness, his power, a tyranny, his wisdom, an unworthy subtlety. Holiness gives decorum to them all. Oh. <laughs> let me let me just add Sharnock, that. Sharnock, mic drop. <laughs> Stephen uh, Sharnock, man. I, I know I've it. mentioned this in a previous one when we well, were then talking stop. about. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Mark. What were you going to say? Thank you. Isaiah forty three fifteen says, "I am the Lord, your holy one, the Creator of Israel, your King." All right, go ahead. Uh, what yeah, do you want to say? Yeah, it's uh, just uh, rare that you have something to say, so I wanted to give you space <laughs> for it. Well, yeah, people yeah. are trying to steal the time. No, yeah, Oscar yeah. was getting better, so he had to. Get Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, you know, uh, D.A. Carson, I think, does a really good job of helping us understand what that word holy means. And he starts by talking about the fact that God has both communicable and incommunicable, uh, incommunicable a- attributes. And so for those who may not know what that means, a communicable attribute of God is something that we might be able to share with him. So God is the creator. He created ex nihilo out of nothing, yet he also gives us the capability to be able to create using his creation. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we share that communicable attribute with God. But then there are incommunicable attributes, attributes in which we do not share. For example, his omnipresence. Nowhere in the scriptures did God, does God call us to be omnipresent. We would fail miserably. We can't do that. Uh, so D.A. Carson talks about holiness, and he wants to fit it. He says, where does it fit? Is it communicable or is it incommunicable? And he points out that some people want to define holy as separate. But to the verse that you brought up, Mark, then you would say that the angels in heaven are simply singing separate, separate, separate is the Lord God Almighty, and that really doesn't make any sense. Um, or others might say that it means moral, but again, they're not singing moral, moral, moral is the Lord God Almighty. And so what D.A. Carson's conclusion is, is that the center of the meaning of the word holy, it is in it of itself an adjective for God. It's like saying God is God. God is holy. So that when we see the angels singing holy, 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 essentially they're saying you are God. 
you are God. You are God. Hmm. Wow. That's really good. It's like the, um, the passage where it says, I, I am who I am. Yeah. Right, Exodus 3, 14. You know, and there's no really other, two other words that can sum up who God is, right? He's not fickle. He's not manipulated. Uh, he's not becoming. He is. He simply is. From all of eternity, he's not becoming something different than what he actually is. So when we begin to attempt to describe God, we will always come up short. Mm. But when somebody attempts to go deep in describing God, we get filled with awe and worship, mm. and we're only scratching the surface. Uh, I, I like what uh, this quote from Randy Elkhorn, not only will we see his face and live, but we will likely wonder if we ever lived before we saw his face. <laughs> so good. Oh, who is that? Goosebumps. Uh, Randy Elkhorn. That's Seriously, that one. gave me chills. That's a good one. That gave me chills. Yeah. It's, uh... Doesn't that give you chills to talk about the Lord? Yeah. First time, that verse you mentioned, um, I am that I am, yeah. first time I ever heard it was in um, the Ten Commandments movie. And it's got a deep voice. They did something a bit cheesy, but I am that I am. And I just burst into tears. It was just I didn't know I could find emotions that deep. But, yeah, it just thrilled your heart Amen. to talk about the glory of God, the wonder of God, it's justice and truth. And well, you know, in, at, in the opening I was doing my stupid thing about, you know, the universe. Yes, universal. It wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that good. <laughs> Below stupid. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I was talking about the universality of sounds. But what you just described, Ray, is a universal sentiment that every Christian understands. I mean, when you say, isn't it wonderful to talk about the Lord? Mm. You know, we understand that. It, it's it's because we know him. He's our father. Uh, you know, he's our redeemer. He's saved us. And mm. so it's not something that's contrived or conjured up. It's the outflow of a heart that has been completely invaded by the Lord. In, in his presence is fullness of joy. And this takes me back to you, um, not use me, house meetings. I used to do a lot of house meetings with our church back in New Zealand. And it was just weird. We'd sit around like 10.30 after we finished the Bible study, maybe about a dozen of us more. And like 10.30, called to 11, and no one would want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd, we'd just say, hmm, someone hmm. else would say, Hmm. Yeah, and you just want to, didn't want to leave because there was such peace and a fullness of joy there, and that's what the Christian has. Yeah, you know, back in the day, Mark and I were part of a church that started out as a Bible study in a backyard with a bunch of young people that were getting radically saved. It grew to over two hundred people, got kicked out by the city, and we ended up planting it as a church. This is the Jehovah's Witness one, right? <laughs> Mormon, Mormon, Mormon. <laughs> And uh, and so Three we <laughs> emphasis Mormon Mormon Mormon, um, but no I uh, we would that's what we would do we we would stay up till one two three in the morning talking about the Lord and we'd laugh that we yes. couldn't so stop good. talking about the Lord and I'll sometimes share this when I'm speaking at a church or a conference and I'll say look at look at the difference in in what people get excited over you know you see young people or even older people, they'll talk about any subject. You want to talk about politics. You want to talk about sports. You want to talk about what's happening in finance and whatever. I mean, and they're going a mile and their sparks flying off their heads, their eyes gleaming. The second you say, so what's, well, what's the Lord doing in your life? Yeah. <laughs> You're all about the sounds. Sound. It's all about sounds. Today's a sound episode. Um, my, right? my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear and be glad. 
And so human pride resists giving glory to God in any way. You tell someone, oh, God did something wonderful in my life. If you tell a non-Christian, they'll say, oh, it's just coincidence. Mm. No. Yeah. Yeah. And they're left to, I mean, how sad to live life and not think about the marvel that it is and that God made it and that you can know him. And now you're now you're leaning in real close on the outpouring of the holiness and the glory of God because we talk about God as being holy and glorious and amazing and it might sound some people would argue you know if you talk about like God desi- demands that you glorify him that you honor him that you worship him someone might say man that sounds like a megalomaniac like God demands for me to worship if a human being demanded for us to worship him we'd call them a megalomaniac the difference is that a human being demanding worship is a boy playing with something he does not understand. But God's glory and God's holiness is for our good. We were made to worship him, which means his holiness and his glory is intermingled with our joy. So that when God calls us to glorify him, to reflect on his holiness. He's also inviting us to do the very thing that we were created to do. Or another way of saying that, he's inviting us to experience the joy that comes with knowing his glory, knowing his holiness. Righteousness demands worship. Amen. Like you you look at a beautiful painting, if you withhold any praise to the painter, that's just not right. Yeah. You know, so when we look at the the heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God. I, I probably should say this when we're talking about the justice of God, but often we'll look at the heavens and, and think of the glory of God as being big, puffy clouds, which mm. just take your breath away. But the heavens also declare thunder and lightning. Yeah, mm. that's and right. The justice and righteousness of God. I, I read something earlier today. I don't know who it was by. It's not mine, but he said, were it not for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the holiness of God would be mankind's greatest fear. Mm-hmm. For no sinner can stand in the presence of his blinding glory. Wow. But through a simple act of faith, those who believe in Jesus as Savior have been pardoned. To the lost, the holiness of God is a dreadful matter. But to the redeemed, the holiness of God is our greatest good. Wow. Well, it's, like, it's like Moses looking at the glory of God. Lord, I want to see your glory. <laughs> show me, show me. And you can't right. see me and live. You want, to, you want me to drop me on the face of the sun to see how hot it is? <laughs> you know, it's, and, and you, you hit him in the cleft of a rock. And Moses was allowed to look at where God had been. And he walked, children of Israel couldn't look at Moses because he had looked upon where God had been. Wow. Yeah. So uh, how could we ever stand in the presence of glory without being in the rock of Christ? Yeah. And, you know, Ray, your emphasis throughout the years has been hold up the holiness of God before sinners mm. so that they can see their unholiness in, in contrast, right? I mean, yes. and that's where the law comes in. Yes, God is holy, and this is something that we often emphasize too, that the commandments exist because of God's eternal nature, right? And Mark, you often talk about that. Would you elaborate on that in terms of like, why is it that, that that we don't commit adultery, right? Or why does it God does God say you shall not commit adultery? Can you elaborate on that? I, I think you're referring to the reason why it's wrong. Like, why is adultery wrong? Because God's not an adulterer. Right. Uh, why is lying wrong? Because God is brutally honest. Right. When we look at the law, we we have to realize we break God's law. You break one, it's as if you've broken all of them, right? The law was given to us as a schoolmaster to drive us to Christ. But if we just examine the law, the law is a reflection of God's perfection. Yeah. 
That's what the law is, a, a reflection of God's perfection. This, like is a, this is what God looks like in totality, mm-hmm. the law. Right. You're not. You don't measure up. And because you don't measure up, you will be condemned. You're condemned already, yeah. right? So we've said before that you know, before we become a Christian, we hear those words, you shall not lie, you shall not steal. But when we become a Christian, it's you don't need to lie anymore. Yeah. You're not in bondage. You don't need to steal. You don't have to commit adultery anymore. Yeah. Whereas before, we were slaves to sin. We were in darkness. We were darkness. We loved the man in the mirror, and now we lo- we're in love with someone we've never seen. Yeah. Well, you've brought back a memory that's a little personal, but I share I used to make leather jackets. Uh, I may have mentioned this before. Mark, I may have mentioned this before. Early um, 1900s. <laughs> yeah. I used to make leather jackets, and I got into making mini skirts, little leather skirts, and, and certain uh, girls would come in wanting a really short skirt, and I'd have to measure them up. And I was a young married man, and it horrified me yeah. that yeah. I have to put a tape measure around a young pretty girl's hips and measure them, how long do you want this? And, yeah. and when I became a Christian, I thought, I found what can stop me from committing adultery. Mm. My feet were established upon a rock because I could feel, man, I could be in trouble here. Mm. You know, I could just fall to my own desires. Didn't even know what sin was, didn't realize how sinful I was until a year later I became a Christian. But I remember thinking, the fear of God will keep me from that. Mm. I don't have to do that. Like the world is just so vulnerable to sin. And yet when we come to Christ, he gives us a new heart, new desires, establishes our feet upon a rock and gives us the Holy Spirit to help us overcome those sinful desires. Ray, I faintly remember you telling me that you can measure somebody for a leather jacket just within the matter of a minute, two minutes or something. Then when you became a Christian, you would stretch out the amount of time that it would take to measure someone so that you could share the gospel with them. Am I (laughs) thinking that correctly? It was three times they had to come back and I'd go around behind them and I didn't need to do any measurements behind them, but I'd have chalk and deliberately be touching their back with chalk so I could spread out (laughs) sharing the gospel. Uh, And then they'd have to come back to pick the jacket up and they get literature and gospel again so it was so a great opportunity. wonderful <laughs> yeah you know i love what it says in galatians 4 8 through 11 it says but then indeed when you did not know god you served those which by nature are not gods mm. you know and that's what it was we were slaves of these idols that we had yeah. made and i love what you said mark yeah we no longer have to i remember when that hit me as a young christian and in the midst of temptation, when I stopped, and I thought, wait a minute, I don't have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. By whom a person is enslaved, by them, by them he's brought into bondage, Scripture says. And so we were slaves in bondage, and then Christ sets us free. But yeah, going back to what we were touching on, Mark, in terms of where God's law comes from, it's not like God one day just said, let me create these, these sort of rules that are sort of detached from anything. Right. No, they're eternal because they come from who God is. You shall not steal because God's not a thief. You shall not lie because God's not a liar. Mm-hmm. You shall not commit adultery because God is not unfaithful, you know? And and that heartens me because, you know, I'll tell you what I was thinking about yesterday, and, and this really ties into the holiness of God. It just, you get those moments when you're struck with, this is divine. Like who would ever think up of a commandment you shall not covet. Who would ever, if the commandments were made up, who would ever think it in their mind to come up with something like that? You shall not covet. Look at things that others don't, that others have that you don't have. Be discontent and want those things. It's just so otherly, like we've been talking yeah. about. And it's evident that it comes from the heart of, of, of God. Who's and divine. it's such a soft-sounding commandment. And yet it's it's the one that 
kind of is the impetus for the others. Yeah. The adultery and the lying and stealing all comes from a covetous heart. Yeah, and scripture says covetousness is idolatry. idolatry yeah. It takes us all the way back to creation because I think that often we think that we the story starts with us as fallen. But Adam and Eve started in the garden unfallen, yeah. walking with the Lord, image bearers of God that were not separate from him. And then they sin and they fell. And so to your point, Easy, the Ten Commandments are an invitation back to become who we were meant to be, which is fully restored image bearers of God. So why does God ask us not to steal? Tell us, command us not to steal. One, because he doesn't. And and then the next part to that is, and we are image bearers of a God who does not steal, right? right? And so ultimately he's commanding us back to being who he originally created us to be before the fall, which is image bearers of, of him. Yeah, that's great. Let me ask you a question. How does the holiness of God affect your preaching? Hmm. It sobers me and reminds me that God is not my buddy. God is not like me. And I represent him. And so when I take all that and it combines in my heart and mind, it brings me to a place of I'm about to do something here extremely, extremely important and serious. This is not a game. Mm -hmm. But then, again, as Sharnock said, all the other attributes are animated by his holiness. I'm reminded of his, his sympathy, his mercy, his grace toward me because I know how so frail I am and how I can mess up in preaching, you know, uh, yet my heart's desire is to honor him as best I can. So yeah, it's a mixture of that sobriety and also that relief. Like, Lord, I represent you. I want to honor you with all my heart, but I know I'm going to fall short. And thank you that you sympathize with my weaknesses. And thank you, you know, that my frame is but dust, mm. <laughs> you know. So. Isaiah 40, 25 says, to whom then will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Mm. Psalm seventy-seven thirteen. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? Exodus fifteen eleven. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? And First Samuel two two. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you. Nor is there any rock like our God. When we start talking about Awesomeness, as we saw there in Exodus 15, 11, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. That is the one word, the single word that I set aside and set apart where I don't say it and share it awesome. about anything else. I don't say, hey, that food was awesome. Man, you played awesome. That was awesome. No, I try to, I grab a hold of that word and I only use that word when talking about God. Awesome. He is awesome right? He alone is awesome. So when I hear now somebody else use that word awesome, I immediately think of God. Wow. And you and I should be awful. <laughs> you and I are awful. Yeah. Full of awe. Um, Murray Smith, our friend from New Zealand, yes. hated the use of the word divine outside of God. Wow. And the chocolate room. was divine. Oh, yeah. Bad, okay, bad. Yeah. Off, yeah. You know? yeah. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned awesome just real quick. Uh, Paul Tripp wrote a book called Awe. And, the, and the, that's essentially the premise of that book is that only God brings us to a place of awe and wonder. Wow. And that's where we go. Who'd awesome. you say, Jerry? Paul Tripp. Oh, Paul Tripp. Mark, really, that was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And guys, it's important to, to remember that God refers to himself as holy. So it's not something like man thought up and said, hey, let's call God holy and let's fill the Psalms with descriptions of how God is holy. I mean, it harkens back to Leviticus, right? And it's repeated in the New Testament, 1 Peter 1.16, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And that was Leviticus 19.2 originally. But think of Isaiah 43.15, I am the Lord, your holy one, <laughs> the creator of Israel, your king. And um, yeah, it's, it's so key to remember that this is important to God our understanding of, of his holiness and who he is in that regard and how we relate to him. I was just thinking then, as you were speaking, how God speaks of his attributes, but there's no conceit or pride. He's just revealing truth to us. Yeah. And we see the same thing in God incarnate, where Jesus said, I am meek and lowly of heart, mm. and you should find rest your souls. There was no pride or conceit. It was all absolute truth. Yeah. Boy, you just, I mean, you just brought us right to the gospel in the sense that you take all of these thoughts of God being holy and separate and otherly, and then we come to incarnate hmm. God's holiness in the flesh. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Right. And there he was in a manger, subjecting himself to, to pain and suffering uh, and then there he was on the cross, the holiness of God nailed to the cross mm-hmm. so that we could be forgiven. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and then you consider what God says about who it is that he connects with, right? Most, Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. for thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on high, I dwell on a high and holy place, and also with the contrite and lowly of mm. spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Contrition, Ray, that, I love that word, contrition. Yeah. Con with contrition. <laughs> <laughs> Nutrition. Good You'll food. never get away from that, Ray. <laughs> no. Con with science so knowledge. knowledge. <laughs> yeah, so everything is with something. But Ray, what does that conjure up for you when you think of a, of a person being contrite? Godly sorrow works repentance is a thing, and you cannot find a place of genuine repentance without true sorrow. And that's what, we, that's what a judge looks for in a criminal. When yeah. a criminal's standing there, he's looking for a tear. Uh, 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 he's sorry for what he's done. And if there's sorrow there, the judge is going to melt with mercy. He's going to pour his mercy upon him. But if there's no contrition, he's not sorrowful at all. I read recently where a judge almost doubled a sentence because of what a guy said. Wow. He just said, you know, he killed a person while drunk driving. He said, this has wrecked my life. There was no sorrow for what he had taken a life. Wrecked my life. And then the judge just went wrathful. He says, no contrition. Wow. Ray, can you, sorry, kind of off subject, but you just mentioned judge. Can you share with us the story that you received? Yeah, I was absolutely thrilled this morning. I get a lot of letters and, and I, I do read them. And this one was beautifully typed out, very clean and clear. And it was from a guy that heard me speak at Christ of the Nations probably 30 years ago or something like that. He was a 21-year-old atheist, and he said he was an adamant atheist, and he was there visiting his sister, and he listened to the teaching, and he backslid as an atheist when he heard the banana analogy. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the human eye, and because, and, Mark, you've sat through that so many times, how the eye is phenomenal, 137 <laughs> million light-sensitive cells and focusing muscles that move an estimated 100,000 times a day. 
to say it all happened. Instead of light meter, immediate automatically focusing <laughs> wide angle lens, full color, instantaneous reproduction. Hey. Yes, that's me. Should have had you there. Anyway, <laughs> you he, the he, he said, love to talk to you because the Lord used this little clown to bring him to the cross and I had love to chat. So I saw his phone number. I called him and he turns out to be a judge in Florida. Wow. And he said, if, if he'd known it was me, he would have taken it on the bench oh. when he was actually judging. He'd take the phone call and he just loves the Lord, loves the ministry. <laughs> and he said, He's a judge, and I was so full of respect for him. He says, and I've got your tracks in my pocket right now. Oh, and I thought so that cool. was just thrilling. Yeah, I met a judge at the G3 conference, Mark, when you and I went. And I met four judges over I, at such and such. Yeah, I, I, I met, met a judge when I got thrown <laughs> into prison. <laughs> I know the I judge met. of the universe. <laughs> well, I was going to so try to not talk to others, Judy. but there, that's Carry where on. I need to stop. Carry on, Mark. But no, he he loves the ministry, and uh, he, he had – you know, seen me at the Bible Bee, and but just loves the Lord, godly man. It's so great to see the Lord uh, raise up men of influence yes. in, in places like that who love Him, you know, and, and know His word, and who will who will judge with with justice. Yes, you know, and no partiality. But, Psalm forty-seven eight: God reigns over the nations; God sits on His holy throne. There's mm-hmm. a judge for you. Yeah. He's sitting on a holy throne. Amen. Yeah, and you think of Isaiah, right, when confronted with the holiness of God. I mean, that whole picture in Isaiah 6 with the uh, the seraphim flying six wings, two covering the face, two covering the feet, two flying, and, and the, that cry, holy, 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 as Mark referenced earlier, that thrice holy God that they, they, they worship and praise. And what, what, what did Isaiah do? It says, he, it says he cried out, or it says, so he said, so I said, woe is me for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Whoa. And I've heard people say, when I stand before God, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Oh. I was going to say, you haven't got a piece of mind to give. You're not thinking. You've got no understanding of it's what like, we're talking about. Yeah, it's like an ant talking about, you know, going up to the sun to give it a piece of its mind. Like insanity. No, it's like a dwarf and with a massive um, splab suns. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a microscopic ant. <laughs> it's quadrillions of suns. It's like the mole on the microoscopic ant. Women never do this. Who opened the can always. of idiocy? <laughs> you. We right. did when we started the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, let me read one more from Sharnock here. We're drawing to a close. He says, as it seems to challenge an excellency above all his other perfections, so it is the glory of all the rest, speaking of God's holiness, as it's the glory of the Godhead, so it is the glory of every perfection in the Godhead. As his power is a strength of them, so his holiness is a beauty of them. As all would be weak without almightiness to back them, so all would be uncomely without holiness to adorn them. Should this be sullied, all the rest would lose their honor. As at the same instant the sun should lose its light, it would lose its heat, its strength, its generative and quickening virtue. As sincerity is the luster of every grace in a Christian, so is purity the splendor of every attribute in the Godhead. His justice is a holy justice, his wisdom a holy wisdom, his arm of power a holy arm, his truth of promise a holy promise, his name, which signifies all his attributes in conjunction, is holy. Mm. Oh, man. So, guys, what what a man! What a powerful, powerful, and important topic, you know, to touch on, and uh, you know, and and again, it's not just in the Old Testament. We're we're gonna see it uh, reverberated again, even in the New. I mean, Revelation four eight: the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around them within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, "Holy." 
holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So good. And wouldn't we be wise to do that here now on earth, Amen. <laughs> you know, to exalt the holiness of the Lord? And again, a lot of the quotes that, that I read were, were giving a good point. You take out God's holiness and it alters all of his other attributes. Yeah. It must be that animating. It's like taking element. the light and heat out of the sun. What are you left with? Yeah. Darkness. Right. So praise God. Let's walk in holiness. You know what then... we need? We need a holiness tract where it's just, it's like the shape of a donut with a hole in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> How have we not See, done this? See, the yeah, sidecar idolatry. You couldn't <laughs> hand it out without a napkin when you go <laughs> Yeah. So friends, we hope you've been stirred that your heart has been warmed today by the knowledge of the holiness of God and that you'd recognize that uh, the Lord wants you to be that contrite person who walks closely to him. And maybe you're convicted right now in realizing that holiness has no place in your life. Mm. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. In other words, you have to have the holiness of Christ, the righteousness of Christ covering you. And we would call you to repentance and faith. You may be so close to the gospel that you can blab it off in a heartbeat. You could say it in your sleep, but have you repented? And put your faith in the one who died and rose again, the heart of the gospel. Have you seen the transformation of God in your life? We want to urge you today to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith, to make your calling and election sure. Like scripture says, God is merciful and gracious uh, because he's holy. And so turn to him today. Livingwanders.com, make sure to check it out. And you've got the evidence Bible there, which is full of uh, a lot on the holiness of God. Uh, not just from God's word, but but also the commentary in there and all the wonderful quotes and so much else, livingwaters.com. And make sure to please give us a comment and to uh, give a rating for the podcast. And don't forget, podcast at livingwaters.com, podcast at livingwaters.com. Send us an email, give us ideas, thoughts for uh, different programs that we can do, topics. And, uh, so any comment is fine, isn't it? Just a comment, just even the word pathetic would be fine. Yeah, ridiculous, pathetic. Or- I actually have an email right here, a comment from a listener. He said, uh, man, more of that Mexican guy, Oscar. He's fantastic. <laughs> and that is, uh, oh, that's for my mom. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, friends, thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next time on The Living Waters. Fidget Spinner. Wow! Podcast. <laughs> it's chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.